0: I'm going to drink every other day after work or something. And then soon it was every day after work. And then it was, I'm not going to go to the gym because I just want to go drink. and Then it was, I'm going to drink on the weekends too if I don't have anything to do on the weekend. And then very quickly, it went, right, so I'm going to skip stuff so I can just stay home and drink.
1: Welcome to the Recovery Edge Cast. My name is Alfredo and I'm an alcoholic. Today we have Cody with us who has over one year of sobriety. Cody is fairly young in the program, so I think you'll enjoy his insight. So without any further delay, let's get started. Hey Cody, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, why don't you start off by giving us your sobriety date?
0: It's August 24th, 2019.
1: All right, so you have a little over a year now. A little bit. All right, why don't you tell us where your home group is?
0: It's the Hope Group at the Rem Church in Firestone that meets on Friday nights.
1: Nice, nice. And and then uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah? I don't know. You got hobbies, man? What do you do for fun? I, I do. I go snowboarding. In the winter, Um, I used to like to mountain bike a lot, but I didn't really get around to it much this summer. Uh, I like to go camping. I like Netflix, and I like to read a lot.
1: Nice. What are you watching on Netflix?
0: Uh, We just got done watching The Queen's Gambit about the chess prodigy. You like? I did. It was really, for a chess show, it was really interesting.
1: Tell us what your childhood was like.
0: Looking back on it now, it was a good childhood. Um, my dad's been in the program for far longer than I've been alive, and my mom is a pretty normal drinker. She maybe gets drunk a couple of times a year at most. Never really drank a lot around us. Um, They're both very loving people. Uh, growing up, they—you know—I could play any sport I wanted to. I could do anything I wanted to. Yeah, and they would—they would make it happen. And they always seem to figure out the money somehow, even when they didn't have it. You know, my dad worked a paper route for a couple of years on top of his normal job. Um, It was a good looking back on it now. It was a good childhood. I was I was incredibly lucky Uh, before I came into the program. It always felt like it was missing something for some reason. Um, And I always I was always really jealous growing up of kids whose parents were divorced or who had lost a parent or had lost a sibling or something that was traumatic in their life. Um, Probably from, for sure, when I was around 12, I don't know if it started any earlier than that, those kind of thoughts, but definitely around 12, I became suicidal. Um, You know, I used to think a lot about it. I always knew how I'd do it if I needed to. And I thought that if any one of those things, you know, if my parents got divorced or if they did die, then it would make sense to me why I was so sad about things, why I felt so alone and why it felt like nobody really understood me. I just, you know, I would lay in bed some nights and just cry because it was like, God, like it doesn't make any sense at all why I'm sad. Like I even, I knew even then that my, I was lucky to have the life that I had and I couldn't feel it. I could only reason to it.
1: So then, if we fast forward to your first drink then, do you think that your childhood had something to do with the way you were drinking? If you want, you can just fast forward us to, you know, your first drink, um, how old you were when you took it, and then tell us about that day.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, My first drink was when I was 16. I went over to a girlfriend's house to stay the night for the 4th of July. And I had been on and off with this girl. And right before we'd gotten back together this time, I went on a date with another girl who happens to now be my, that girlfriend's sister-in-law. Their older siblings had been dating. And the girl I was dating at the time was, I don't want to speak too ill of her, but she was a little jealous type you know she would be really serious and kind of mean about that kind of stuff and she knew that I had gone on a date with this girl and anyway this other girl and her family came over and i didn't know that beforehand and when i saw her i was like i don't want to be here and i absolutely will not remember this and so like the decision before i even took my first drink was that i was going to black out like that was I was like, Nope, I don't want to remember this. I don't want to be a part of this. This is going to be awkward. This is going to be fun. So I'm just going to get loaded. Um, and that's, that's what happened. Um, it was, it was pretty tense between me and that girl I was dating at the time. Um, and I blacked out, had little snippets here and there through the night of like waking up, you know, puking in her bed, all over her bed. Um, her crying a couple of times through the night. And when I when I woke up the next day, apparently I had had so much re- resentments against her and I let her know every word and every thought that was bad that I'd ever had about her. Um, and I was, I was a little disappointed at that because it was like, I didn't want to be that guy. I wasn't that guy. But at the same time, it was great because I didn't remember any of it. And I thought that that was, that said that thought that that's what drinking is for, for me is when you drink, you get blackout. So you don't have to be a part of anything. You can just forget about it and just fast forward through the nights. Um, and that was, I, I just ran with that. Um, not then I didn't drink for a while after that. I think it was a, a year, year and a half before my next drink. And at that time, I, I had a job, and one of the guys was over 21. And so he would, I'd give him cash and he'd buy me 100 proof Smirnoff vodka, which always makes me laugh because I really started my drinking career on what I think everybody else ends on.
1: Yeah, man. Which is just
0: really Vodka's shitty vodka. Like the finish line. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I jumped straight to it. I was like, yeah, this is great. It doesn't taste terrible. And I can just, it, it is quick, it's a quick drunk. Um, but so he'd buy me that, and I, parents' basement at the time, and so on Fridays and Saturday nights, I would just drink as much as I could until I couldn't walk, and if that meant that I slept on the couch or the floor of the basement, which wasn't even thirty feet away from my bed, then then that's what that meant, and I definitely remember a few nights where it was like, I'm just laying there praying that my parents don't come down and find the bottle of vodka. <laughs> especially since you know my dad was pretty against any underage drinking mm-hmm. obviously with what he went through and um i just i didn't i didn't want to get in trouble for it but i it was so nice those nights to just it just worked so well for what i wanted it to do and that was to just not have to think about anything you know not have to think about school or especially at that time when i'm about to graduate and it's like well what do you want to do for the rest of your life like i I still don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life, but I, sh- I didn't want to think about it then. I didn't even want to consider it because it was just too much, you know, and now I have an associate's, but I still don't know if that's what's for me. And I-, I took that really personally then, like if I didn't do that.
1: How often were you drinking around that time?
0: Probably twice a week, every Friday and Saturday for the six months that I worked that job.
1: So then you're still not 21 yet during this? No. No. When you turned 21, because you were probably like, what, 19, 18?
0: Yeah, you I, was, I was 18 then. I had just turned 18 when I got it. Okay. And I was still in second semester of high school.
1: Okay. So then when you graduated high school, were you still working here?
0: No, I, I quit that right before I graduated. Okay.
1: And so without access to this person that was buying your liquor how did your drinking habits change or how did your relationship with alcohol change?
0: Well, it, it stopped I you know, I didn't have another access point, but it, the best way I can describe it is like missing a loved one who lives in another state. Yeah. Like you can't go out there all the time, but you really wish you could. And, and so it wasn't, it wasn't the same as like when I tried to quit smoking the few times that I have where it's like, I got to have it, but it was definitely like, I, I would have a lot of moments where I was like, I could really, I could really use a drink. I would like a drink. That would be nice for this. Um, especially, you know, the slightest convenience. I was like, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have a drink. If I could have one, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind going to the bar. Um, but it definitely wasn't like, I, I have to, it wasn't debilitating at that point mm. you know i wasn't i i wasn't upset that i couldn't have it i just wish i could
1: yeah so not long after you did turn 21 obviously <laughs> um no <laughs> what happened then
0: um well i, I went to college i started i started college and was working full-time I didn't drink. I want to say for over a year. After that, I went up to another school up in Leadville to do a different to do firefighting classes, and there was a guy that lived in the dorms up there who was over twenty one, and so he started buying for us for all the guys that were under twenty one, and the the norm was we would get up a little bottle of Patron and a 12 pack of Corona. And we hang out in one of our rooms and drink that. And I always made sure to be the one who paid for the Patron because I love tequila. And so we'd get maybe halfway done, three quarters of the way done with the bottle. And every, every night that we drank, I would finish the bottle from that point. And that was kind of like my, like, I'm done with the night. I'm tired of hanging out with people. I'm going to finish this, go lay on the bathroom floor. Everybody else needs to get out of the room and I'm going to pass out. And we probably did that eight or nine times while I was up there, I would say. And then a couple of times in the woods where we, somebody else would buy a bottle of whiskey and we'd go drink out in the woods. And the couple of times that that happened, I blacked out because I couldn't go to sleep in the woods I and mean, I could, but it wouldn't be very comfortable.
1: Did you start thinking that your drinking wasn't normal yet?
0: No. Cause there was a couple of other guys who didn't have a problem with drinking, but drank hard. Like they, they could drink a lot without getting drunk. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of like pushing each other to drink more. Yeah. And a lot of like, just go as hard as you can. And I think part of that was just doing it at college. And so everybody has the same mentality of like, I'm going to get trashed tonight and Mm -hmm. I'm going to take it as hard as I can. So I was at that time, I mean, I was, I was drinking about the same, maybe a, a little bit more than most, but not enough where it was really obvious. You know, my roommate would wake up and he'd have a beer every morning. And so it was just, it was just kind of a thing, I guess especially being up there, there's not a whole hell of a lot to do other than drink. And so that was just kind of the norm for everybody up there while we were there. Like we're gonna drink on the days we don't have class and on the nights we do we won't. and that was kind of how we kept it. And so there wasn't really a like scheduling or anything because everybody I was already scheduled with everybody else to do it. so I didn't have to hide anything or watch anything because nobody expected me to to not get drunk. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Okay. So after it was all said and done with uh like your I guess the partying with the, the college students and whatnot, your peers, um, when did you start going out of your way just to drink, even if you didn't have that social aspect around you?
0: That was after I turned twenty one and I moved into my own place. I think I yeah, I was Six months after I turned 21 and I had moved into my own place up here in Firestone. And that was freeing because not that anybody had watched me before or really told me I had a problem or anything, but now nobody knew. I didn't have to you know, I didn't have roommates who were gonna come home or people I had to hang out with. And so it was just like being in my own place by myself, I always had a bottle or usually more than one. I always had three because I romanticized that side of it of like having these whiskey bottles on this little hutch in case anybody ever came over, which they never did. I think twice people came over in two years, but when I was, when I finally was alone, I didn't have to, I didn't have to ask anybody if they wanted to drink with me. I could just go home and I want to drink. So I'm gonna have a drink. And then it kind of took off from there. You know, it started as I'm going to drink every other day after work or something. And then soon it was every day after work. And then it was, I'm not going to go to the gym because I just want to go drink. And Then it was, I'm going to drink on the weekends too, if I don't have anything to do on the weekend. And then very quickly it went, right. So I'm going to skip stuff so I can just stay home and drink. Not that I ever had that thought out loud but you know a lot of times that's what it was I didn't I didn't want to go so I didn't make myself go and then I just drank instead
1: Had anybody noticed yet?
0: My mom said that we went so we went to Vegas for my 21st birthday the weekend after I turned 21 and she said that after we got back from that she told my dad that she thought I had a problem. Hmm. But I think him being in the program and I'm I'm thankful for it but he told her not that they couldn't say anything to me because it wouldn't help. It would just push me away from them and that all they could do was love me. And I'm thankful for that because, you know, I, I feel like I hit my bottom quicker because I didn't have to lie to anybody or prove anybody wrong or try and fight it. I could just bottom out as quickly as I could. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, they, yeah, they never said anything to me about it. Mm. Um, I remember maybe right before a month or two before I came in, I remember telling my grandma once, I think I have a problem. And she said, do you think you should go to meetings? And I said, no, not yet. I'm not done. And then that was, I think that was the only time that I can think of that anybody ever mentioned it or I ever mentioned it or it was ever said to me in any capacity. And I I think a lot of that is there's, you know, my grandpa's in the program, my uncle's In the program. And so a lot of my family members know what it's like for people in the program. And I've seen all of those other people's bottoms and understand that by telling an alcoholic you have a problem, it usually doesn't help anything.
1: Were you able to compare yourself out by looking at them? Or what did you think?
0: I didn't really think about it. And I don't know if that was because I didn't want to or I just never had the thought to. Um, because like growing up, you know, all of our family friends are in AA. And so when we went camping or went to parties or anything, nobody was ever drinking. Like there was never, I never went to anything growing up where there was alcohol. Um, and so it was just, I was very of the mindset that I'm going to do what I want to do. And I didn't, I didn't care what anybody else thought or how anybody else did their thing. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to do mine.
1: You mentioned, so I don't know that I
0: ever compared it.
1: You mentioned earlier that you missed a lot of um, events because of your drinking, because you just wanted to drink, pretty much. Um, what, what type of things did you miss out on?
0: I missed a lot of family stuff. Um, my sister played D1 soccer at CSU. I missed most of her games after her sophomore year. I don't think I went to any more than two or junior year. And even after I came into the program or senior year, I didn't go to many. Uh, and I, I don't know if it was the alcoholic in me that just didn't want to go, but, you know, I, I still, it, it became, I don't know if it was a good thing because I was going to meetings instead of drinking but I missed a lot of that. Um, I haven't really had a relationship with my other sister for a lot of years. Um, and I stopped, you know, I used to go to my parents' house at least once or twice a week. And that, that dropped off almost completely. I don't know if I went up more than, more than twice that last year. And those were the times when I went to my sister's soccer game and we went over afterwards.
1: So then, what finally got you into the rooms of AA?
0: Um, my last drunk really sealed it. Um, I went over to a girl's house that I liked to hang out with her. And I took a couple things of a boxed wine with me. And I got there at 4.30... And I I had three glasses in half an hour. And I was I was just drinking it like water. And I don't there wasn't a reason to it. Like I, it wasn't a hard day. It wasn't a long day. Like I really liked this girl even. I wanted to impress her. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't I wasn't even drinking to impress her. It wasn't like, well, if I drink a lot, she'll she'll really like me then. It was just like I it was like water. Like I was thirsty and that wine was the only thing I could drink. Um and then we went down to her neighbor's house in the same apartment complex and I had a shot of vodka and all of a sudden I just like, I blacked out, like that was it. Um, and I had a a couple little snippets through the night of me just puking everywhere. Um, and I guess at one point she had driven us to Taco Bell and to the liquor store and we spent like $75 at the liquor store. I've got no idea on what, um, I called it a work and I remember my supervisor saying, are you sure it's only nine 30? Like you can still go to bed. And I'm sure it was just obvious that I was drunk, just obvious. And uh, I woke up at four 30. I'd forgotten that I had called out of work. I couldn't find my wallet. I couldn't find my phone. And I only had one thought and that it was that I was going to die by my 23rd birthday if I didn't stop and it was I think it was the first God moment that I've had because it wasn't a thought of like oh no like I think I might die or my life might get turned around it was it was like God saying yeah if you don't stop you're gonna die like that's it that's all you got is you can either stop now and figure it out or if you don't you're gonna die before you turn 23 and that's your legacy that's that's your life is you died at 23 because you couldn't stop drinking. Um, and I, you know, I, after that thought, it was like, I I looked at just that night and I had lost all self-respect for myself. I'd lost any pride. You know, I'm, I'm not the type of person that calls it a work, even if I am actually sick, let alone just because I'm drunk. And there was just an image that I had built in my head of who I was. And I just wasn't that in any way anymore. And I'd even year before grown out my hair and my beard because I just couldn't stand looking at myself in the mirror just because of who I was as a person and so I think just all of that plus the god shot was like I'm done that's that's it and so I went to my first meeting that night and I've got no idea what they said other than keep coming back and don't drink before your next meeting and that was kind of it that was that was it for me
1: do you remember where this meeting was?
0: It, yeah, it was at the New Beginnings in Longmont, the 5 o'clock. Nice. Yeah.
1: After going to your first meeting, did that do the trick, even though you just said you really didn't remember much?
0: It did. It. I don't know. It, it was just a feeling in my gut of, like, you know, I'm not alone. And... I don't know if it was also part of, you know, my dad always said, if you ever have a problem with alcohol, AA is the answer. And so it was like, I don't know if it, you know, for me it was a little bit of, well, you know, I don't know if this is going to work, but I don't have anything else other than going to jail for DUI. And I really don't need that. So
1: what was your next step?
0: Um, I kept going. I went to a couple more meetings. Uh, one of the ladies in the New Beginning told me about the Friday night meeting. So I went to that. I wanted to do it without God. I was a pretty hard atheist coming in since I was a kid. I, I felt that way. And so I, I really wanted to see if there was a way. I, I spent most of the first couple weeks reading articles and testimonies on how to do it without God. And I tried to go to an agnostic meeting in Loveland a couple weeks in on a Tuesday night at seven 30. And when I got there at seven 20, nobody was there. I waited around for a little bit. Nobody showed up to open the door. The door was locked. Um, So I started Googling different meetings and the closest one was an eight o'clock in Boulder. And I was 45 minutes away. I didn't want to be late. So I wasn't going to go to that. And you had given me your number that first Friday night and I was driving home to go drink. I was going to go get another bottle and drink and just whatever. I guess I'm not supposed to get sober. And somebody had said, just call somebody before you drink. Just call, try and call somebody first. So I figured, screw it. I'll call you. Um, and I, I was nervous because I was going on a date with a girl the next day. And I had all these questions about it. And you were like, well, just come meet me at this. And then I got a sponsor after we talked that night. And then we started going through the steps.
1: Early on in your sobriety, how did it feel to finally like, I don't know, live a social life? Cause I know that you were still pretty social. You were dating, um, you were coming to meetings and you had your family, you you started showing up.
0: Uh, and at, at the beginning, It was, it was difficult. You know, it was still pretty cloudy in the head. And it was hard because for a long time, I, you know, it wasn't extremely long, but for me, for a long time, I didn't go to that kind of stuff. And it was whatever I wanted on any given day. You know, if you got something from me, it was good enough. You would have to accept that. You should be happy because you got what you got. Um, so it was hard for me to switch that mindset of like, I'm not doing it for me in a sense. I'm doing it because I care about them and they want me better, and that'll make them happy. So it was, it was tough at first. Cause I just wasn't, I wasn't used to it. I still had that feeling of like, I don't want to go do it. I'd rather just sit at home and watch Netflix or play video games. Even if I'm not drinking, you know, I'd rather do that. So it was a little tough.
1: At some point, you had stopped doing it for other people, though, and you started doing this for yourself.
0: Yeah, I think I don't know. You know, I really can't pinpoint when that change happened, where it was like I want to be there. Maybe after the fourth step or the ninth step, you know, making part of the part of my amends is the living amends of like showing up and being there and being a part of and. I got a good feeling from, from doing that, you know, especially when I break it down of like, they want me to go to dinner for an hour. It's just an hour. It's not a big deal. There's a lot more than that in a day. Um, once I started to break down like that, it, it wasn't so bad to go. And then it, it was fun to be around them again. Like I felt like a kid hanging out with my parents again, where it's like, I, I like these people. I like my sisters, um, you know, and slowly, but now it's, you know, I get a, I get lunch with my sister once a week and I talk to my dad pretty often. I call my mom a lot, try and make it over to see her a lot. Talk to my sister in the Springs now. And it just, it, it gives me a good feeling knowing that they're happy because of that. And even if I don't want to that day. Like the other week, I didn't want to go have lunch with my sister, but she was so happy and excited that we got lunch. And so it's it's just, it it doesn't cost much for me.
1: You didn't tell her this, did you? No. (laughs) Um, How about the God part? Because you were an atheist, maybe you still are, I'm not sure um, how you want to really define your spiritual um, ideas, but... You mentioned that that was a hurdle at first. How did you get over that hurdle?
0: Um, A lot of people said that their way didn't work. And that really resonated with me, especially with the God part, because it was like, you know, my life just didn't work. And I was so desperate coming in. It was like, I I was tired of being tired and being upset, sad. And everybody said, you know, just try it for a year and you can have your misery back. And so it was kind of one of those things where I was like, screw it. I'm going to meetings. And especially with most of the meetings being God related and having God it was like, I don't want to be pissed off that they're talking about God during meetings. Cause that's not what I'm there for. So I was like, I'll just try it, do it, accept it. And if I still am not feeling it in a year, I can go back and try it a different way, I guess. Um, and a, a big part of it was you and the way that you had me come up with my own higher power, because, you know, thinking about it now, I think the big issue that I have is is just with organized religion. It's not even with God, or that there isn't a God. It's just I don't like organized re- any organized religion because it's just I don't know. It feels like they're trying to it's man trying to say God's word, and it it just doesn't compute in my head because. I can't say God's word, so I don't think anybody else should. And so you having me just pick my own higher power and just framing it that way of like, well, figure out what you want in one. It worked for me. You know, the the God of my understanding is a old guy who sits on a bench and watches traffic go by and he'll let me get in a car accident all day long. But if I stop and ask him, hey, you know, if I do this, is it going to work out? He'll let me know, yes or no. You know, is this your will for me, yes or no? And he'll let me know that and show me that. And I found that to be true for the last year. And so thinking it like that and keeping that image in my head when I talk to him helps me get past my own biases and a little bit of resentments towards religion and towards their God. Um, Because that's the kind of life that I want to live, where it's like I, I will watch somebody get in a car wreck, but... If they just ask for help, I'll help them, you know?
1: How would you describe your life today? What's it like now?
0: It's good. I would describe it as good. Um, some days are a lot better than I can handle, I've noticed, where it's like everything's just going so well. That little part in my brain that's still, that little alcoholic part is still like it's you're going to lose it. It's all going to go to shit. And that kind of freaks me out sometimes, but it's, you know, I, I'm at a point that I never thought I would be, like if you would ask me that, what what was the next year of my life gonna look like? I wouldn't have said you know well I'm gonna be moving in with a girl who I'm really serious with um, the people at work, everybody really likes me, even the people that I don't like. they'd have me training new people. I'd be having a good time with my parents, going to lunch with my sister every week um. It's good. It's all really good. It's all simple. And I think that that's something that I need in my life is just the simplicity of it.
1: So thinking back, what piece of advice would you give yourself in that first month?
0: Just keep going. Even if it's not a good day, especially if it's not a good day, go to a meeting, call somebody, um, take it one second at a time. And when I' when you're worried about God, just tell yourself it's not your problem. you know it's his problem. And that that seems to really help.
1: You're still pretty young. What's that like to be at your age and to be here in AA? Um, I know you're not the only one, but you're certainly younger than I am. <laughs> I didn't get my act together as early as you did so maybe I'm a little jealous but what's that like
0: it's weird I was thinking about this last night I talked to a couple of guys in the program and I realized that you know I'm calling or they're calling me these guys that are 40 plus and I just never would have thought that I'd be calling guys who are 40 years old talking about God and fishing um You know, I get a lot of, I thought coming in, I had a little bit of worry that people were going to tell me, you know, well, I spilled more than you drank and and those kind of comments. Just like, you're too young to be here. You don't have a problem. Um, And I came in and everybody was really welcoming and really warm and loving and really practiced the principles. Uh, You know, one of my favorite people in AA is retired. She's like 63 or something. And so it's, it's weird when I think about the age difference, but if I don't, it it makes sense because all these people who are so much older than me say the same exact things about how I felt or how I feel on a daily basis and looking for those similarities of like, yeah, I also have that problem with that specific thing reinforces to me the idea that yeah I'm an alcoholic and I need help and if I don't get help I'm going to be their age sitting here wondering at the 17 years I wasted drinking so it's it's a it's a good reminder to me of like yeah it's, it's worth it to just stay even if I you know if I'm lucky enough I'll never have another drop of alcohol in my life and I'll have lived five times as long as I drink but that the life I'll have had if it's anything like some of these older guys it'll be worth it
1: any final words of wisdom for our listeners
0: um I really like the saying that if you're wondering if you have a problem with alcohol and you go to an AA meeting that most people don't wonder
1: thanks again Cody for sharing your experience strength and hope with us And thank you, listeners, for checking us out. Remember that you can find us on recoveryedgecast.com, also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and your podcast app on your iPhone. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.